We are The God Culture, a group of independent researchers with no affiliation to any denomination nor organization whatsoever. We read the Word and we test it, as 1 Thessalonians 5.21 tells us, Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. We do not intend to be confrontational, but to compare what the Bible really says versus the traditions of men, which Yahusha himself rebuked. Yahusha said to the Pharisees, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, Yahuwah, that ye may keep your own tradition. Mark 7, 9. This is our journey through the Word, and we are testing not only Scripture, but history, science, archaeology, and yes, today, even poetry. In 1903, poet John Maysfield released a very telling poem, which really ties to much of our findings in a very odd way. Now, this is an extra video in which we will drill deeper, and we are not going to reprove the 22 or so videos of the Lost Tribes series here, but move forward with additional support from another field. And I repeat, additional support, not the original trail of proof, as this does not replace the abundant evidence we have already presented, but adds to it very interestingly. So, if you have not watched those videos, you will find our case there, not in this video. And no, don't come at us that this does not prove the Lost Tribes went into the Philippines or Kurdistan. Because we do not say it does. That's not the intention of this video. And we have already proven that position. And you would have to go back and disprove the actual case, which is not found here, which again, is in our Lost Tribes series. And debating this video would not remove all the abundant evidence we already covered. Having said that, we find this fascinating and worth covering, though we cannot prove this one out as far as our other videos. And yes, we are entitled to release one of these every now and then, and we will do so. When we ran across this poem, though, it certainly is odd that John Maysfield, in 1902 or so, would take such a direction seemingly connecting the two territories of the northern kingdom after their migrations? Hmm. The question we are really asking here in this video is, did a poet 100 years ago know where the lost tribes of the northern kingdom specifically were? See, we're finding historic elements, if we go back far enough in history, that seem to know things that we have lost over the years. Yet, we still can know. When you read this and test it for yourself, see what you think. But we believe this is far too much of a coincidence. Check this out. From Salt Water Poems and Ballads by John Maysfield, published 1903. Kinkarim of Nineveh, from distant Ophir. What he ties Nineveh and Ophir? Mm, odd, we already see it, right? Okay, much more to this, though. 
Rowing home to haven in sunny Palestine. You mean Israel? Yep. With a cargo of ivory and apes and peacocks, sandalwood, cedarwood, and sweet white wine. You mean the cargo basically matching Solomon's navy and their journey to Ophir for gold and resources? And by the way, defines the wood forest as well as sandalwood? Which we find very odd indeed. Hmm. He advances in eras to the colonial era. Stately Spanish galleon coming from the isthmus, dipping through the tropics by the palm green shores, with a cargo of diamonds, emeralds, amethysts, topazes, and cinnamon and gold moidor. And Macefield concludes with Britain in his modern era, basically. Dirty British coaster with a salt-cracked smokestack, budding through the channel in the mad March days, with a cargo of tying coal, road rail, piglet, firewood, ironware, and cheap tin trays. Now, let's break this down in a way you have probably never seen before. Macefield was born in Ledbury in Herefordshire to Caroline and George Macefield, a solicitor and attorney. His mother died giving birth to his sister when Macefield was only six and he went to live with his aunt. His father died soon after following a mental breakdown. After an unhappy education at the King's School in Warwick, now known as Warwick School, the oldest boys' public school in the world, by the way, where he was a boarder between 1888 and 1891. He left to board the HMS Conway, both to train for a life at sea and to break his addiction to reading of which his aunt thought little. He was a very decorated fellow, and having attended the school which bore the symbol of the Knights Templar, if you look it up, and then sailing on a training ship groomed by another group bearing the flag of the Knights Templar, odd, it is likely that Maysfield had access to what would be considered secret knowledge today. And we believe he tips his hand in the beginning of this poem. So let's break it down. We'll focus primarily on the first stanza. Maysfield identifies the ships of Tarshish. He doesn't call them that, but we know those are the actual uh, ships used. To sail to Ophir for gold and resources which we cover greatly over and over in the Solomon's Gold series and even in the Lost Tribe series to some degree. But oddly, he identifies it as the Kinkarine, bringing it into a later era around the time of Messiah, in fact. Now the question is, did he not know his history of ships? A very well-educated seaman like himself? Well, certainly he did. The Kinkari is a large Greek, Roman, or Carthaginian ship used between the 1st and 4th centuries 
B.C. to wage war and haul cargo. That's not 1000 B.C., is it? In the days of Solomon. Why? Is he sending a message here? Let's see. Let's test this out. Three tiers of oarsmen on each side of the ship propelled the vessel. Again, that was not the same in Solomon's air. On its bow was a ram to batter enemy ships. Again, a new, newer invention. Word origin is mid-16th century, from Latin even, which basically just means five oars. And where was this Kin Kareem associated? Oddly, two places, mostly. First, it's identified as a ship from Nineveh in the poem. And now we are way out of place in the timeline because Nineveh was destroyed before these ships were even used. Now that's really odd. Would he not know this? Of course he would. And Nineveh, though in the Tigris River, was not known for shipbuilding, nor does it have any ties with Ophir in the days of Solomon, nor to the Kinkarim, for that matter. But this was no ignorant man, was it? Okay, so let's continue. From distant Ophir. Now that's the land of Solomon's gold. We know that. We indisputably locate that as the Philippines. Look at Enoch's interpretation of this poem, and they have no clue what they are talking about, really. They have the wrong location of Ophir, very much assumed wrongly, and we prove that overwhelmingly. And then they really ignorantly infer that Maysfield was confused as to where Palestine was, Israel. Are you kidding? I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's not scholarship. They just have no clue themselves. That's the real problem. Whenever you see that kind of logic, you know there's an agenda usually involved because it really is nonsense to say a well-educated man of the sea didn't know where very well-noted countries and places were. Nonsense. He would know his geography and he would know it very well. Of course, he knew where Palestine was, of all places. And he knew more than that. He knew to tie Kurdistan to, or Nineveh, which is Kurdistan, one and the same, we prove that, to ships seemingly out of place in location and era, to a journey to Ophir, Philippines, and then it returns to its home in Israel. In the wrong time frame. Really odd. And boy, does this look familiar. With a cargo of ivory and apes and peacocks, sandalwood, cedarwood, and sweet white wine. Now, other than the sweet white wine, this is clearly a list of the cargoes, which is what this poem is about. See, cargoes. So it's really about the cargoes, okay? And the ships and the locations. It ties it all together. But those are the cargoes brought from ancient Ophir, indisputably. You can't put those together any other way, especially when he says the ships come from Ophir, right? So that really is indisputable. 
Now, a sailor who enjoyed his wine, which this guy did, likely added that in sweet white wine, replacing the gold and silver, because notice he doesn't mention gold and silver. But notice he equates the wood of Ophir with sandalwood, uh, you know, red sandalwood, the Nara tree. Hmm. And the same wood used by Noah to build the ark. Hmm. Maybe Solomon knew what he was doing when he headed to Ophir, not just for gold, but also for that wood that Noah used. Hmm. And the Genesis 2 gold. And then cedar wood as well. After all this poem is about cargoes. And where are they going? Rowing home to Haven in sunny Palestine, they are returning home during a time of safety in Israel. Now remember, he wrote this in 1902. When is that? When does this happen? When does Israel have safety? Well, the ships of Tarshish return to Israel with the sons and daughters of Israel, the lost tribes of the northern kingdom especially, who are in Kurdistan, Nineveh, and the Philippines, Ophir, in the end times. All tied together in this poem, all identified right here in plain English. How do we know he must mean the end times here? Well, he purposely, yes, on purpose, because he knows his ship history, he chooses a ship out of place for the story of Solomon's trips to Ophir, and he knows this. He then discusses a progression to the ships of Spain, which also go to Ophir, and who also conquered Ophir. See the progression? And Spain was conquered by whom? Well, the U.S., which is Britain, one and the same. And he then mentions Britain in a modern context, bringing us into the era of the 20th century, the end times, essentially. So, ships used to take the lost tribes from Kurdistan to Ophir. Just remember, 2nd Esdras says that trip happened. Some stayed in Kurdistan, but a group migrated on a year and a half journey to Ophir. Do you see the connection? Returning then in the end times, in the time of safety and sunshine, then returning to Israel with the lost tribes, the ships of Tarshish, bringing your sons and daughters, Isaiah 60, I believe. The ship is out of place, but so is Nineveh for the story of Ophir. Nineveh is not mentioned in the story of Ophir from ancient times. So he is bringing this to a future event, in our opinion, and tying Nineveh, Kurdistan, to Ophir, Philippines, all back to, all returning to, Palestine, which is Israel. Interesting. 
And remember, the northern kingdom was taken captive into Assyria, which is where? Nineveh, which is where? Kurdistan in modern times, where some stayed. When released, some stayed in Kurdistan and others migrated, crossing the Euphrates by the Persian Gulf and then joining ships for a total of a year and a half journey to these ships, the ships of Tarshish, which really would be a precursor to the Kinkarim, take the lost tribes of the northern kingdom who left to Ophir, Philippines, and there they await the last days when they will rise up and in the end return to Israel. Isaiah 11, as we've covered before, especially identifies the northern kingdom will return from both of these lands, Kurdistan and the Philippines, as well as the southern kingdom returning from Central Africa. Yes, they are scattered from those three home bases into all the world, actually. Every country on earth, in fact. But they retain their identities with these three homelands. Nineveh, Kurdistan, shall rise up in the last days. Sheba, Ophir, Philippines, shall rise up in the last days. And they will return to Israel. The ships of Tarshish will bring them, Ophir. So this poem, very oddly, ties these two lands of the northern kingdom together as well as to returning home to Israel at a time of peace and safety, which makes no sense outside of this revelation and this thinking of our Lost Tribes series. This fully comes into focus now. Imagine that. So let's review a timeline of events quickly. In 1000 BC, Solomon builds a navy and port on the Red Sea to head east on a three-year round-trip journey beyond the Arabian Sea, Indian Ocean, to a multitude of islands to go to Ophir, Sheba, Tarshish, for gold and resources, especially wood, for the temple. The Red Sea port is destroyed in about 850 AD or so, just before Noah attempts to run away from Yahuwah as far as he possibly can, headed to Tarshish, Ophir. Again, three years from the Red Sea round trip to the east not in the Mediterranean, and we prove that and test that out completely. But instead, he ends up rightly in Nineveh, and Nineveh repents. The lost tribes of the northern kingdom are then taken captive into Assyria, Nineveh as well, specifically according to the book of Tobit. And the borders defined in scripture include Nineveh and basically what today we call modern Kurdistan. And what happens in the era of the Kin Karim? Well, just the largest event ever, 
Messiah is born in about 9 BC. Yes, we proved that too. And the wise kings, yes, they were kings, according to David's prophecy, and they would come from the Isles of Fear, Sheba, Seba, and Tarshish, which is modern Philippines. They bring gifts, which match that passage even, to offer Messiah when he was about two years old, according to Matthew. Odd, this is the same era of the ship used in the poem, the Kinkarim. We then see Kurdistan conquered, and then the Philippines follows, conquered by the Spanish, which had to happen to fit the curses of Israel. But in the early 20th century, we see both nations being released somewhat. And in the last days, we will see both nations, Nineveh, Kurdistan, Ophir, Sheba, Tarshish, Philippines, rise up. Some will watch this and say, how do you know what Maysfield meant? I mean, how could you get in his mind? You know, we have no desire to get into the mind of a Luciferian, but we know what we know is they do bear secret knowledge that they did not pass on to the rest of us. But actually used to be common knowledge, but they've made over the centuries secret knowledge and hidden it, because that's how they operate. Well, he didn't write an interpretation, nor did anyone videotape him talking about his intention, did they? So no, this video will not satisfy those demanding such proof, nor could anyone provide such for a point in history over a hundred years ago. However, when it all adds up, we believe it is at least worth considering. Can we prove this thoroughly as we do in other videos? The answer is no, and I repeat, no, we cannot. But that does not make this any less compelling. This one leaves us with a thought to consider. But watch our Lost Tribe series and you will find we prove our position overwhelmingly there, as well as Solomon's Gold series, which both lead to this, as it's really one long journey where one thing leads to the next, which is really the way research should operate. This is yet another one of those things that make you go, hmm... Thank you for watching our Lost Tribes series. Please share this video with others and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Don't forget to click the bell and view our website at thegodculture.com. Always remember to prove all things for yourself. Yahuwah God bless.